Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everybody Fits podcast and this week we have the lovely Jeanette here. Hi Jeanette. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. So excited to chat to you. So for the listeners, do you just want to explain a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I'm the Mindset Nutritionist. Um, I am a nutritionist, one of those ones that actually has like a human nutrition degree and um, I work with people to um, help their relationship with their food and also their body but I generally work with people who are in larger bodies or um, in fat bodies depending on how you feel comfortable in describing yourself Um, mainly because it's very different um, to be helping somebody in a larger body and I have a big passion um, as we'll probably talk about in kind of a lot of disordered eating and eating disorders um weight stigma um body image so yeah I've got loads of kind of specialization like special specialisms that go alongside that as well awesome so obviously you love doing this but this is not your initial career no no so are we, are we allowed to talk about the big life-changing thing that you've just done yeah of course um I've just resigned from teaching like teaching's been my day-to-day kind of pay the bills job um for 12 years now it's been a long time and I've been in the same school for that same amount of time as well and um yeah very like it's very new still I just literally received the letter from my head teacher today to actually um, acknowledge that I've resigned and everything so yeah I'm jumping from being a teacher and I've I've taught um, food technology hospitality nutrition um, food and nutrition you know basically all the foodie things and how teaching children how to cook basically and um, how to nourish their bodies um, I've taught that but I've also done like loads of nutrition jobs along the side of that because nutrition's always been has always been my passion and fruit has as well um they kind of go hand in hand I think for most people who kind of do nutrition stuff and um yeah so I've now decided to jump from that into doing my nutrition stuff like full time that's so amazing congratulations it's exciting (laughs) it's very exciting it's very nerve-wracking but um I, I need to do it now it's one of those things where it was just a I'm this is the kind of thing that I want to I I wake up other than obviously like waking up wanting to see my children and my husband and stuff but you know like your day-to-day job like I just got to the stage where um, I want to be doing this all the time instead like this is where I get my joy so I just wanted to I got the opportunity to so I might as well it must be such a rewarding job though what you do and so it's not surprising that that's what you want to do full time Um, so yeah it is amazing like so what made you suddenly I know you've you've been on well you still are technically you're still on maternity leave um so is it just being during maternity leave that you've kind of had this light bulb moment or or has it been bubbling for quite a while um well I've kind of it's I think it's I think uh, hmm. I think it's been part of like my own personal journey as well with um, like 
like I literally stumbled into like health at every size and then I actually looked into that and the light bulb went off you know and, and kind of it went from there to me realizing through my personal journey that because I I always wanted to do something with my nutrition degree that was much more pure nutrition or you know helping people being able to eat and nourish themselves in a way that feels good to them um but I, it never felt right because I held myself back because I always thought to myself I'm not in a body that a, a typical nutritionist would be in um so I always held my back and myself back so then I got to a stage where I was like okay I'm on this journey and then I actually learned about anti-fat bias and weight stigma and started working out my own internalized like fat phobia and then was like like I why am I holding myself I can actually do this like I have all the knowledge I have all the you know all the cape I'm capable I'm capable as a nutritionist and started doing this and I think that's what gave me like the confidence to be like no I can do this like and then I've kind of come this far and I've got to the stage where I'm like okay I can't always do like do my day job um, which is usually four days a week then come home put the kids to bed and be like bye husband I'll be upstairs like and do my nutrition stuff see you later like it got to a stage where I couldn't keep on doing that to myself and what was I going to give up like something that I really enjoy doing um or something that obviously I have I've enjoyed teaching I love my students um I think they're absolutely fantastic human beings you know but you know things change for yourself don't they like it you kind of mold and change and that's when I just went yeah okay this is time yeah I can completely relate to that story of um not feeling like I've always wanted to be a, a, in the fitness industry and I never felt my body was was good enough and it's so crazy because it's not about that even though like the society says it is but it, it, it's really really not um and uh yeah I think all these people out there that you're going to put all this time into I think so lucky so lucky to have you thank you and well, yeah I think I think we're all in this place where you know we're we're doing the kind of work that really makes a massive change to people's lives like I find that when I work with people with intuitive eating they don't realize how much it has impacted their whole life like with disordered eating running into you know um, over exercising that kind of thing and as soon as you start kind of looking into those things and really start pulling things apart and questioning things in a way that challenging but not too challenging and you know really helping those people then they just you know you just get those sudden like oh my god I never realized I could have actually lived this kind of life before and it's really really amazing isn't it to watch mm. it's really, yeah it's really incredible I mean I know firsthand I, I, I did your intuitive eating course um, and the girls that I've met on that course I still speak to regularly and we chat about anything from how much the kids are driving us up the wall to you know how much of a good or bad day we've had with regards to food and our bodies um, and for me I felt really seen on that course because as you say you you do mostly work with people in larger bodies and fat bodies so for me to turn up immediately, I felt I, I was the odd one out because looking at me, 
even the like the girls said when I talked about my body um I remember one of the girls I think it was Chelsea saying it's so crazy to me that you're sat there saying how in your smaller body you wish you were still in a bigger body sometimes when I'm sat in a bigger body wishing that I was in a smaller body because when you look at someone in a smaller body you automatically assume that everything's fine and it's it's not we all judge our bodies and it's the fact that you you are helping everybody to feel better and more comfortable in their bodies but not just that the relationship with food it the change that you make there is incredible because I think we all have this thing in in our heads of we've been taught for so long that you can't or you shouldn't enjoy food because your body has to look a certain way and you're basically telling everybody well who who says that you can't what like why it's only you telling yourself that you can't um but yeah that course was just incredible so I know you do a lot more than that so do you want to talk a little bit about what you actually do as the mindset nutritionist I mean I feel like that could go that could go on for hours because you've got your fingers in so many pies yeah I'm one of those people who really can't stop so but I have very like um I'm very much trying to be mindful about my own mental health and everything I'm doing I'm still trying I'm trying to say no to some things but um at the moment so obviously I've got my mindset nutritionist stuff love and adore it I haven't been doing I haven't been taking on clients and be doing any group coaching at the moment because of being on maternity leave um I haven't wanted to let anyone down um because of you know babies and stuff like that so I've been kind of waiting for a time when the baby's actually in bed and that kind of thing but usually I have my own private clinic um I have my group coaching I have like courses in my mind that I want to do when I have some more time I really want to do some training with professionals um I want to do some weight stigma training I want to do some training for like therapists or basically anyone who wants to listen to me um talk about how to you know help people in large or in fat bodies, um, you know, without feeling like, un- without um, unintentionally like stigmatizing or oppressing or marginalizing someone. Because I really do feel that some people obviously aren't doing things intentionally, um, but it's actually trying to draw out and let them and help them understand like what are they doing that is the un- unintentional stuff to be able to help um, their clients and, you know, just try and make a better place for, you know, fat people to kind of exist in and then leading on from that I work with um, Body Happy Org with Molly Forbes and um, Body Happy Org is an organization trying to reduce weight stigma um, and help body image in children through working in schools which is absolutely amazing obviously you do that with Amy um, and yeah I, I love my Body Happy Org work um, then I've also founded, co-founded an organization called All Bodies um, Recovery. And All Bodies Recovery is focused on finding, basically trying to find ways in which um, eating disorder treatment can and diagnosis can be for literally every single body. Whereas at the moment it's not. At the moment it is a really stigmatized service. We all know it's really underfunded, but it's underfunded for the bodies that are part of their beauty ideal and the thin ideal as well. 
uh, which means that there's nothing left for anyone who may be fat or part of the LGBTQIA plus community and the disabled community and um, people who are neurodivergent, you know, we're trying to find a way to be able to help all of those people. Um, what else am I doing? Oh, I'm doing an amazing <laughs> podcast with you guys. <laughs> that's amazing there's so much you know what I um I had I heard this I was listening to a podcast the other day about um it was business advice and like to be an entrepreneur and um one of the things they said was um whatever you do don't make your business your identity and I'm like how how can you not when you're working in diet culture because it's become your identity and it just I just thought of that when you were saying all this stuff and I, and I was thinking the other day, how, how do you not? And, and, and it is so important to look after your own um, mental health. What do you do to unwind? I mean, I, I want to find out more about all the other stuff, but I'm like, are you okay with all that stuff? Yeah, <laughs> so much. yeah I, it's all stuff I thrive in. Like I absolutely love it. Um, I do have to be strict with my time. Obviously, at the moment, I don't do as much of my body happy old stuff, um, but have loads of plans. Like I've got like a half finished scheme of work ready for Molly and, um, you know, just other bits and pieces that go on my head in relation to that. Um, when I actually kind of finish my teaching stuff and I'm kind of getting up and started sort of this, I'll just have set hours that I kind of stick to with that. But it's, it's all stuff I feel like I am terrible with capitalism like if there was any way that I could do mindset nutritionist without having to ask for any money um and just be like I know you need some help just come to me let's sort it out like I'm I'm not actually doing it for the money I'm doing it because I just really enjoy what I'm doing it's just really annoying and inconvenient that I have bills to pay and a life to live and that all costs a lot of money so for me with doing like my mindset nutritionist work it's all because with the business stuff going on in my head, I'm always trying to be as ethical as I can with my business. And that's kind of developing and developed as I've gone along and talking about, you know, sliding scales, do I do sliding scales? And do I allow some slots just to be free? You know, there are loads of different business models that I could take up. But whilst I was working that out, I wanted to do something else that is giving to the community so um stuff like um, obviously the body happy org is um some of it is paid some of it isn't paid and that's fine um that's the way i want it um may i add molly has always been very very keen on like fairly paying me and i'm the one once again terrible at capitalism that goes no i'm i'm good thanks i want to do this because i'm happy with doing this and my body my body all bodies recovery is exactly the same um, I, um, it's all free. It's all stuff that I just do voluntarily because I just really, really enjoy it. But I say that with the privilege that I have right now. So the privilege that I have right now is that because I have my daytime job, I can afford to do that kind of thing. So absolutely no shade to anyone who's just now listening to this thinking I couldn't give my time away. Like you give my time away. Um, I get that I just I'm going to be in the position unfortunately and fortunately at the same time when I'm not a teacher where I am actually going to have to be much more like actually I need to be earning from these kinds of things so all bodies recovery will always be a, a CIC a community interest company so me and Emma are going to be running it not like a charity we could be running it as in we'll pay ourselves like a fair wage 
but the rest of that profit will go straight back into the organization so you know there's loads of kind of business models and business stuff that goes in my head constantly you know with that kind of thing but that's where I'm at with it I'm kind of like at my at the moment this is just stuff that I love gives me respite from children like I need that respite from children and real adult like chats so it's given me a lot more than money at the moment so yeah loads to talk about that kind of thing though isn't there yeah well I, I was thinking how on earth you do all of that and parent like that that's just yeah that's that's incredible and I feel like it's it's difficult sometimes as well because you care a lot about your clients as as Kim and I do like yeah, it's, it's yeah. not the case of you finish a session and you close the laptop or you put your phone down and that's it like you check in with them you check up on them you think about them you send them resources you, it's all these kinds of things um because when you when you do work in this kind of space um I think you're quite an empathetic person so it's hard to switch off and yes. your job does become your identity but not necessarily like not in a bad way I, I don't think it's a bad thing um how do you find the diet talk when you're around people because of it, as soon as someone finds out you're a nutritionist just as as soon as someone finds out I'm, I'm a PT they'll start talking straight away oh, I've been so bad I've been so good like automatically they feel the need to talk about their body or to talk about the diet or to, so do you find that when you're around family friend anything like that 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 becomes a conversation and becomes an issue and rather than talking about all these amazing things that you're doing and achieving it's then talking about bodies and diets in a bit of a negative way or how do you find that yeah I think um at first I found it really hard to navigate it was really hard to kind of celebrate anything that I was doing in, in kind of like the anti-diet space um, because people didn't necessarily like get it or understand it so I I realized that I was really shying away from talking about it I would just talk about like school teach you know that's really easy stuff to talk about anyone can relate to a school situation or a school conversation because most of us have been to school and you know we, we have those experiences so I kind of always felt very easy to kind of flip that side um it's only actually in the past like maybe like year and a half that I've been really kind of true to what I do and what I really love and actually really like talk about it with people um, and it's been really well received by most people. Really interestingly, not as well received by my family, but they're trying. Like, I would say that they're trying in their own way. Um, but yeah, my friends, they seem, they, you know, they're really kind of respectful and they'll kind of ask me without even really realizing. They kind of give me consent. One of them will. Uh, one of my friends will say, is it okay um, to talk about kind of weight loss and diets and stuff? And I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. They know that I'm not going to contribute to any of those conversations other than if they ask my opinion about something, then I will obviously give my opinion about something and they know my opinion on things. Um, 
but I also understand that my friends, there's a few of my friends who are in diet culture. It, take, it takes a lot, doesn't it, to get yourself um, out of diet culture when you've even decided that it's the wrong place to be. But when you're actually right in the middle of diet culture and really stuck in there, I have a, so much compassion for people who are in that place. Um, so I would never give like unsolicited solicited advice. They all know my my viewpoints anyway they all know that um, I am anti-diet and they know that you know diets don't work but it's hard it's hard to get out of that place so yeah I have a lot of understanding people I think I'm much less patient if my children are around I don't know if you've noticed that yourselves yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah I just I can't if someone is talking about if someone I know who's around me who's talking about that kind of thing or saying something that's really 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 kind of anti-fat I will follow that up with something quite firmly to be like well actually because I don't want my children to be taking that that kind of stuff on board thank you very much yeah I want to protect them my little boy is 11 and uh, he has got very strong views and he he hears everything I say and he gets outraged now. Like, I don't even need to say anything. He's like, no, that's not right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Slimming World poster outside this, his, they do a Slimming World meeting at his school. And there's this big old banner on the school gates. He's like, mommy, I want to rip it down. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's not yet yeah, it's not a helpful thing but you know it, you know and I try and explain to him so he gets like hugely outraged because he's 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 um autistic as well so he's very very like on rules and if you know and he gets outraged if there's like somebody on a on a on a bike without a helmet on or if someone drops litter and he's like money so it's I suppose it's quite quite lucky but I, I think with younger kids I think it's um got to be so careful because we just don't want them to grow up in the as much deeply in diet culture as as what probably or what I was I, I guess yeah I think were. we were we were all sort of part of that weren't we like I um I was I saw something the other day that's been going around on um it was I think it was on Alex Alex Light's Instagram page about the Victoria Beckham when she was on the oh, what show was it she was on the they got to stand on the scales yeah yeah it was yeah and I'm like yeah these are the kind of things that we grew up with how how was this even allowed. And I told my husband and he was completely shocked. And I'm like, yeah, but this wasn't a normal thing for like a female representation. Yeah. But they wouldn't have got a footballer up there and put a footballer like it's, no. it's, it's just absolutely Mental. crazy. But it's funny that you should say that it, it's been more difficult with your family than it has been with your friends because... I personally have found that, my, I don't know if you're the same, Kim, but I've found that as well. What is it for you, like, is there anything in particular that they've found difficult or you found difficult or is it just they just don't understand it? It's the, I think, I think because my work very, very much crosses over into like, um, like social justice stuff and like intersexual feminism. Um, 
and I think it's a lot to get your head around if you're not kind of like immersing yourself in like reading loads of stuff um like I spend a lot of time reading a lot of like fat studies and you know reading a lot of like blogs and stuff and um I have like the most amazing books like I have the best library I've ever had in my life now and I'm trying to read and understand different perspectives and different points of view and you know really trying to absorb all that so I suppose it's difficult because obviously like my family they they don't have the same passion that I do have about that and they don't necessarily understand but I'm talking about anti-fatness um and that's the main thing that they really struggle with is this whole anti-fatness but it kind of makes sense because I come from a you know a long string of women from both sides of my family who have not been in straight-sized bodies they've all been in you know large bodies um and you can imagine the kind of diet culture that um, they have been brought up with themselves. And then I think I was quite, quite lucky. My mum was never, I never remember my mum necessarily really openly talking about her body in a negative way. It wasn't until I was a teenager and I think I internalised that from other people oddly talking about my family and the size of my family, which is kind of like, I suppose, a different quite a different way of kind of thinking of things but yeah I think it's from that side of things that it's, it's more they don't understand the anti-fatness stuff they're very much like but fat is bad and I'm like no fat is neutral how do you know if fat is bad who has told you fat is bad and they don't necessarily like the conversation because it's an uncomfortable conversation so it's usually like switched or something other than like one of my members of the family who's has actually has actually been really kind of like trying to take it on board recently but um yeah we'll see with that that's, that's been quite nice it's nice when someone starts making an effort to kind of understand what your passions lie isn't it yeah 100 percent. yeah I had a, I had a conversation with my my dad the other week and he said to me I don't think your your career is is good for you I said why not and he said well I, I just don't think it's good for you because you've had all of this background and because you've had this this eating disorder and because you're so tired I was like the fact that I have come from where I've come from is exactly why my career is right for me because I can resonate with so many people um mm. but also I have a 10 month old child yes I'm tired <laughs> like of course I'm tired I've got a 10 month old child I start work at six in the morning I finish it like whatever time at night and he he point blank cannot understand why someone who has been in a bigger body and is now in a smaller body and has struggled with the weight and has struggled with their food and just can't understand why they would want to surround themselves by that. And that is exactly why I want to do it because I think knowing the struggles helps you to help other people more. Whereas if someone's sitting there from a point of, they've never struggled with their body image they've never struggled with their weight and it's very easy to sit there and tell somebody just just tell them rather than understand yeah. them um so I, I I do think from that perspective that is why it is sometimes hard for our families to understand where we're coming from because yeah. they've, they've never been in it 
Mm. And if, if you're not in it, it is really difficult. Yeah. And it probably comes from, um, you know, love and they're just trying to protect you as well. Yeah. And because they don't understand it, they, and that's maybe perhaps why it's a little bit harder for, for family members than, than it is friends because they, they've got that other, other level of connection possibly yeah. that friends don't have um my parents have been amazing um about about it my my sister's still quite she she's very always been very supportive she's still she's quite quite a bit younger than me um sort of early to mid 20s and still in diet culture a little bit and I'm like keep sending her loads of stuff and I'm like I'm desperate for you to read I literally sent her a message the other day I'm desperate for you to listen to this listen to it it's going to make you feel so much better and um yeah she's a psychologist and so I've sent her the intuitive eating um you know book and, and everything and just from a psychology point of view I think she found it um fascinating but yeah I think I think it just comes from a plate more of a place from of love um and family members maybe aren't as 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 understanding um possibly maybe so how did you like you you started this journey a really long time ago and you are you you describe yourself as being fat positive and you talk about body neutrality and you yourself are living in a fat body how did you go from that self-criticism to that acceptance like was there a was it more of a gradual thing or was there a moment where it was just like that's enough definitely gradual like I would say that we're on an on a journey with our bodies like the whole of our lives so I think people jump into working on their relationship with their bodies and also that they firstly think of their relationship with food um, because obviously we've focused on food and diet culture for so long and we've made that our focus and also therefore our bodies are focused because we think that whatever we eat means like whatever we look and the kind of the two are interlinked so strong and then we kind of go oh yeah, I've got my certificate, like Slimmer World. I remember being able to go and get my certificate. Um, I always thought to myself, I'll get that pin, you know, that pin that you get when you are um, at your target weight and oh, that'll be me forever. I'll be done, like excellent. And I'll have all my certificates. I'll be really proud of it and stuff. Obviously with intuitive eating, there's no certificates. There's no kind of like end goal. There's no end game. And then tying that in with your body journey as well. There's no oh, I am going to weigh X amount anymore. All of those things have been removed. So it's this whole, it's very much this kind of, I suppose for me, it was that switch from this whole, um, what's the word? Really kind of targeted, kind of focused goal related stuff. Like, you know, they, they say short, short and sharp goals, try and lose X amount every single week to be able to get your goals and stuff. Rather than looking at things like that, and focusing obviously on your weight, it's, it's shifting that focus away from your weight, which is so difficult in today's society. We're constantly told and reminded about our weight. I could talk about that for hours and hours and hours. Um, it's kind of that shift from looking at it in that way and looking at it in those short and sharp goals into thinking about it in your life purpose. And I think your body journey comes 
part of your life purpose and you start because be like it starts being more automatic to be more reflective and to be more intuitive not only in what you're eating and how you're feeling and trying to notice different things and how they've made you feel and working with that and working with your body through your life so I think in kind of like I like to say to people that people think that intuitive eating and body image just kind of like gets it just gets better like this Whereas actually it's more looks like a squiggly line where you're kind of slowly feeling better about your body and your relationship with food. And sometimes you're going to be down and sometimes you're going to be up. But in general, you will be kind of going in this kind of trajectory going upwards. Um, So, yeah, straight line, not doesn't work up, squiggly line all the way. And I think that's how I've done things. There was, I don't think there was ever a light bulb kind of moment where I was like, that's enough. I'm going to actually respect my body now. It was a slow, gradual, now, like, this is, this is, you know, this is, this is kind of feeling better. This is feeling better in my body, finding home in myself. I would say I'm definitely still on my own personal journey um, and my own personal learning, but that's going to carry on literally for the whole of my life. And I thrive on that. I love that so much. And I love that so much for my children as well, because I like to share that. Like my daughter, um, she said a few things recently. Like she, we have one of these swimsuits and we went to like this thing that was outdoors over the weekend. And it was a, like a, a, an amazing aqua park. And she had like a swimsuit, it was a normal swimsuit on her bottom half and had long sleeves on her top half. And she was like I don't like this because my legs are out and I was like but why why don't you like this because your legs are out we had a really good big conversation and I was trying to work out whether it was because she was kind of like not confident about having her legs out or you know whether and it transpired actually thankfully it's just that it felt weird that she had her legs out but then her arms covered but then today she's obviously starting to learn that people have an opinion about other people's bodies and today she like she's supposed to be going to a like a, well she's going to a school party tomorrow and it's a queen celebration so she has to wear blue red and white and she has shorts that were blue she wants to wear those and I was like here's a vest it's red you can wear that and she was like I don't want to wear that vest and she said it's because she was worried about what people would think about her wearing a red vest and she's five bear in mind so uh, it's mind-boggling to me that a five-year-old is now worried about what other people think of her so what we've done today is we've cracked open the um, body happy org pocket boosters that are really beautiful like affirmation cards that says stuff like um, I am worthy and my body my rules and that kind of thing and had conversations about that in the hope that we can kind of nip that in the butt and I think it's important for because I've reminded her I, I wear the most I've got the most hilarious and I love wearing them like dungarees that l- make me look like a child presenter a, a too old pr- child presenter like I'm definitely not in my 20s but a child presenter like a children's presenter on tv and I love wearing those and I said to her I was like I love wearing these these are really 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 fun these are really really enjoyable but if I worried about what everyone thought of me and commented about me like would I technically wear these and she was like I don't know and I was like 
Probably not because everyone has an opinion about everyone, but I don't care what everyone thinks. I care what I think and these make me feel happy. And if they make me feel happy, I'm going to wear them because it's my body, my rules. And she was like, oh, yeah. So she still decided not to wear the um, uh, red vest. Um, and I said to her, what's well, your body or rules? So she's decided what she wants to wear as long as she's like thinking about it differently. Like I'm hoping. So I think this is the thing with parenting with this kind of stuff. I think that um, I have a feeling that my children are probably going to use diet culture eventually as a way to rebel against me. It won't be any of the things that we were into, like rebelling like, as teenagers. Like one of my kids will come home and be like, I've just joined Slimming World. And I'll be like, what have you done? <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? And all these people will be like, are you feeling all right? Like she's just joined Slimming World. Just, just joined Slimming World. So yeah, I think, yeah, that's going to be the thing, a thing when they grow up. <laughs> do you know what's absolutely um amazing in a in a in a bad way um is that how much it's underestimated the relationship between food and your body image and it's it's just it struck me a while ago but just talking I mean in in how people don't actually realize how much of a connection your relationship with food is going to have with your relationship with your body and they, they almost feel like it's two completely different things like it, it, it's not even connected you know and, and it's it's like that it's, it's in that's the, that's the diet industry really isn't it um as a whole and, and the fitness industry um really and um I suppose how how do you help? I mean, that's probably quite a big question. <laughs> like with a lot a lot of sort of clients that come to you, it, 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 I suppose it's trying to get them to really really understand, and that's what intuitive eating really is, isn't it? Just trying to help people understand that actually it's all connected. How you talk about food is very very connected with with how you talk about your body, and I think that's such an important thing to make or make our children aware of as well I think that's one of the most important lessons that that we can give really yeah um yeah it's a really important lesson I mean we're taught if you if you think about our mental health and how we feel on like a day-to-day -day basis and how that changes we're taught that if we're feeling bad about ourselves that it's actually probably done to our body and our body needs fixing so if we're fear, and that's all for like all the, if you think about like the advertising that goes on, you have someone who is in a larger body, you know, they've kind of great, put like a bit of a gray filter on that person. So they don't look like happy. They're all like, hmm, I'm really sad about this. And then they've lost those ways and all of a sudden everything's bright and they're going out their holiday and they're wearing their bikini and they're like living their best lives and that kind of thing. So when you've got that and you're feeling down, you're feeling low, what is what people what has been sold to us is the easiest way to make ourselves feel better again let's get ourselves and i'm doing quote quote things here let's get ourselves quote unquote healthier by losing weight and i use quote because obviously weight and health don't go together whatsoever so when we're when we're kind of feeling low and we think to ourselves okay 
I probably am not feeling great. I'm not exercising. I feel like I'm not feeding myself. Well, I just need to lose some weight. Whereas actually what we should be thinking of is I'm not feeling great today. How can I make myself feel better right now? And I really do think that some of this is, is down to a lack of like a real education in how we can deal with our mental health. We know that disordered eating, we know that eating disorders can, you know, they're, they are, they're not just eating disorders where people think it's just people just have decided that they're going to just eat little or they're going to throw food up, you know, they kind of put people in these boxes and stuff. It's a, it's a big mental health condition. It's a mental health condition that is like, our, like eating disorders are our biggest mental health killer. And we, need to be reframing the way that these things are kind of told in our heads because we think that then food equals body equals us feeling better and quote-unquote healthier whereas actually if we took that moment to go okay we're not feeling great I'm not going to look at myself in the mirror today because I know it's not going to feel good about my body um, I'm going to try if I can to do something that makes me that brings me the smallest amount not even of joy that smallest amount of maybe a little bit of pleasure a tiny bit of happiness or just a bit of neutrality where you just don't feel rubbish about something even if that means that just getting up and just brushing your teeth is just enough then that's okay and that's okay to be like that and that's okay for the day and to accept that whereas society tells you to that just brushing your teeth isn't enough why haven't you jumped in the shower and used that expensive hair shampoo and that conditioner because that expensive hair like shampoo and conditioner is going to make you feel so you know there's so many messages there and then you have all of like the fitness messages that says it's okay we can cure your depression by you know just coming to the gym just come to the gym and work it out we're going to um <laughs> amy's like what <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah that's the kind of it's used as this like our bodies and are, and the way that we eat and the way that we move has been commoditized and it's very easy to do that and it's very easy in the society that has been built around us to do that to make money off that that's why as soon as you've had a baby you have all of these like these pts that pop up in your sponsors posts telling you that your body isn't enough right now because you just popped up a baby you probably put on loads of weight and that person on that that's reading this is probably feeling really bad about themselves but they are capitalizing on you feeling rubbish about yourself because of society making you feel rubbish about yourself because you just popped out a baby it's like no actually we should just be giving ourselves some compassion at that stage and probably actually nourishing ourselves really well rather than limiting our the amount of nutrition that we have in our body because we've got a whole other life to look after so yeah, yeah loads yeah I have a question and it I don't know if it's something that you can answer because I have a feeling well it is to do with gray area when it comes to eating disorders and yeah. disordered eating and is there a specific you know you talked about the work that you do with with eating disorders and and people in in larger bodies is yeah. there specific criteria that people have to you have to tick all the boxes and so that means that you've got an eating disorder is it such a gray area I mean what how do you how, how do people di get diagnosed it's well if so when you 
um, suspect that you have an eating disorder, you usually go to a GP. Um, obviously, the G GP is someone who can kind of diagnose, but probably doesn't know enough about eating disorders. Eating disorders are hugely complex, mm. like massively complex. Um, you can have someone who is basically presenting with um, bulimia, but actually um, it leans more towards binge eating disorder. Um, but you can also have someone who's experiencing the two at the same time. Like it's really, really complex. Um, you know, they bet the best people to try and get some kind of um, diagnosis is going to be a psychologist. But with the NHS as it is right now, it is so, so, so hard. Like it's really hard to um, try and get like proper diagnosis. Um, but I don't set that in a way to kind of put people off. Like if you are sitting there and you listen to um, anything and you're someone who literally cannot stop thinking about food and you are fearful about that relationship with food you have um, and you feel as if it is really taking over your life, I would implore you to please go and see your GP. Please go and speak to a doctor about that and about your feelings. Um, because there are charities that will be able to help you um, and um, point you in the right direction. Um, if you don't fit into a certain box, then you may have disordered eating as well. So disordered eating is kind of like this even more gray area where you probably have like some purging behaviors. You may um, have like classic disordered eating would be someone like who may do like intermittent fasting um, and keto, those are all kind of really disordered behaviors. Um, over exercising or compulsive exercising can fit, well, either side, but can also fit in disordered eating and disordered behaviors as well. So it is, it is really nuanced. Like there is, it's a huge, it's a huge area, massively gray. Um, it's not my area of expertise because being a nutritionist I'm not allowed to diagnose anyone but I that's that's what I know about it um through the um, work that I've been doing with all bodies um recovery and it is really frustrating because you just look at all of like all the statistics of the the massive rise in children and adults who are developing disordered eating and eating disorders is it's huge right now they're not putting any funding into things and not only are they not putting like funding into things, we also have like trainings like for therapists that are completely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and we end up with a load of people who are not being treated in the way that they should be treated, no matter what body they're in. You know, there are a lot of people out there that are um, really being failed right now. Yeah. Um, so if you are someone who needs help, please, reach out to one of these charities if you're someone from a marginalized group um so it, you can always reach out to all bodies um all, all bodies recovery because we do have a very small fund very small amount of money but we have, have a pot of money that's available to help people with their treatments yeah and we'll pop that in the in the show notes as well yeah and stuff yeah we'll put the links to every single thing that you're working on <laughs> <laughs> I do think one of the issues with diagnosis for eating disorder 
um, from my perspective is there is very little representation of anything outside bulimia, anorexia. Like yeah. these are, if you've got an eating disorder, this is what it is. And that's represented on television and in films. And But if it doesn't look like that, someone could be suffering from an eating disorder, but just not recognizing it because, oh, well, I'm not sticking my fingers down my throat or I am not stopping myself from eating anything. But that is, that that's not, all eating disorders are um and I think the problem as well with disorders mm. eating is it's still not recognized medically even though no, medically they know that disordered eating is a thing it's not actually recognized in any medical journal um so it can't be given an official I say air quotations official diagnosis but it is one of the most common eating disorders, disordered eating. And um, it tends to be very prevalent in fitness professionals mm-hmm. and promoted by fitness professionals, like macro counting, like keto, like intermittent fasting. Like it, and it's just, it's, it's a self-perpetuating cycle as well. And of course, it's becoming mm-hmm. more prevalent all of these things are becoming more prevalent in children I think particularly since lockdown because eating disorders are generally linked to control and for two years we've had no control over our own lives so it's one way that people have been able to and we were drilled with that message of get healthy during lockdown or coming out of lockdown get like it was all about health and once again weight and health not linked not linked so um it's a a very tricky one I think there was I was gonna say um there's a lot of of emphasis on weight and COVID and there was a lot of um especially Boris talking about if you are quote-unquote overweight um you have more likelihood of um getting COVID, but then also becoming very, very, very ill when you have COVID as well. So there was that scare on top of the whole quote unquote obesity epidemic, which adds, just adds to it as well. Just, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I mean, the, the first person that came out with like the data that if you lost X amount of weight with COVID, it was quite early on. Um, that was linked to literally no science like that first person who was like actually if you lost x amount of pounds then you'd actually be a lower risk of um developing covid um but the reason why he said that was because he had a book coming out and it was a weight loss book like it's shocking people like the media will jump on things straight away literally straight away when it's linked to weight they love a discussion about weight. They love to stigmatize. They love to marginalize and oppress people because everyone has an opinion about weight. Um, and it's, that's not a good thing because, I mean, generally people should keep their opinions to themselves. But as soon as they put them, their opinions onto like a keyboard, they just kind of free run with their thoughts. Um, but yeah, when we've looked, uh, I've, I've done a deep dive with, with Asha as well. Um, on the kind of fatness stuff and COVID 
And they're, they're, the evidence basically says, I don't know. I don't know if people who are in large bodies are more likely to end up kind of being worse off with COVID or not. Like the evidence doesn't actually point to a definite yes or a definite no. And the reason why that, and we will never have, to be honest, a definite yes or a no. Um, and a really good study to kind of emphasize with that was, there was a study that was done, I think it was about seven years ago, and it was on swine flu. And um, it had loads of comorbidities in relation to uh, swine flu and what was happening with that. And it was, a, it was an after everything happened with swine flu. And so it was looking at all the numbers, comparing it all, um, kind of taking certain things out and adjusting for things. And it basically discovered that if you adjusted for the quality of healthcare that a fat person achieved, no, not achieved, received, um, there was no difference in the risk with swine flu as to everyone else. So what that means is that if they received earlier antivirals like any other person will receive in any other body a fat person would have the same amount of like like risk as any other shape of body which was you know the risk that it was but it was not higher that was the important thing it wasn't higher like everyone said it was and that was down to anti-fat bias and weight stigma people assumed because they're in a fat body that they were just slightly out of breath you know you're fat you're out of breath you're you're um you're not fit you know just go away wait for a few days see how you are and then come back to us that was actually weight stigma speaking whereas if a straight person straight sized person came in and said the same things it would be here have some antiviral straight away start taking it you probably got swine flu go and rest up fat people were getting a different response and that was literally killing fat people we don't know if that the same thing is happening here we don't know if people's anti-fat bias or weight stigma is impacting the way that a fat person is being treated are we ever going to know no so in one hand we can go well yeah fatness is impacting someone's risk but it's not the fat person's fault it's the systems that it, that's it in play and it's the medical professional's fault for having such a huge amount of stigma against their patients so yeah it's kind of like crazy thoughts really that it is really harming so many people like this it is absolutely insane and it's it, it's hard to be that voice in the crowd as well when you're sat there going but you're wrong you're wrong every like we want to support these people and knowing that like everything you're doing with Emma and trying to support people in all bodies through recovery. See what I did there? <laughs> it's, Love it. It's, it's, it's incredible because for the first time, these are people who haven't had a voice, who will feel heard and feel seen and feel supported. How Have you had many people get in touch with you I know I know you've you've posted quite a lot on Instagram about the stories you've had from people but yeah what kind um, of response have you had since you actually set up officially we've had a really really positive response you know people are 
you know, and that's generally been like the gist of things, what you said, Amy, you know, these, there are people who have been like too ashamed and too embarrassed to speak about their experiences. And in that respect, um, people also feel very lonely in that because they feel like they can't talk about their experiences. And they also feel like, therefore, they're the only people who have experienced what they have experienced, but there's actually um, the prevalence of this kind of spit, the stigma that is being experienced is massive. It's, it's, it's huge. I mean, um, just going back and taking it away from like the eating disorder side of things. I remember I shared probably over a year ago, I shared a story about chairs. Like I literally shared a picture of a chair with like, like arms. And I was like, this was really uncomfortable and I'm going to have bruises tomorrow kind of thing. And the amount of messages I got under, uh, after that saying, I just, I thought that was just me. Like just even speaking about those day-to-day -day experiences and being able to give people who are especially experiencing like, you know, eating disorders that are having a massive impact on their life, being able to talk about what they've experienced in their eating disorder journey and being able to be heard and listened to has been you know really really good for these people and I think it's going to be really good moving forwards as well because on our website we're going to have a massive kind of lived experience section as well and we're going to continue sharing that on um, social media as well so then people can actually see that they're not the only ones experiencing what they're experiencing and then they can find community and then you know have a better chance of finding recovery from their eating disorders and that's that's what it's all about we've we've had people who have jumped from eating disorder to eating disorder to eating disorder to eating disorder and that's just the one person like experiencing those are different eating disorders because of how poor their treatment has been um we've had contact from people who are just just not wanting to be as they are right now you know but seeing what we're doing has helped them because they can see that there are people who want to listen to them, that wants to censor their experiences. And we don't, it's, it's almost kind of crazy that we don't have that. I mean, there's a massive, amazing project called Project Hill in America. And I think they've just had their 20 year anniversary. And Project Hill is basically very similar to what me and Emma are aiming to do, which is trying to make um, eating disorder treatment and services be available um, and accessible to literally every single body and making sure it is trauma-informed and making sure that um, it is a safe space for people in every single marginalised body, you know, trying to make this, because one of the things that we've seen in the communities that exist so far in the eating disorder communities is very, and I that's a nicer way to say it. it's not very modern yeah we'll stick with that it's not very modern it's very um I will treat the person who is in front of me which is great but it's very much erasing the person's identity it's not going I want to understand I want to understand what this I mean I'm never going to understand um someone who comes from the LGBTQIA plus community because I'm not part of that community um, I'm not going to understand what um, you know how they've been oppressed and marginalized and their experiences they have on a day-to-day -day basis I have a lot of privilege 
and not to not be able to experience those kinds of things. But I still need to be aware of those kinds of things within my work, just in case someone resonates with me to be able to, you know, they've chosen me to work with them. I need to be able to work in a place that is committed to being inclusive to someone in that marginalized body. And at the moment that's not happening. It's very much all bodies matter without trying to do the all bodies part. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, if that makes sense. Mm. yeah 100% it's a lot of work there's this a lot of work like to be done basically a place that all with thin <clears throat> thin bodies matter and I think that's kind of what it is isn't it it's basically yeah and I, I do feel like because we've had with um all bodies recovery we've had a we have had a huge resistance from the eating disorder community um, and I do understand it because they're very much going, but how about us? And most of the people who are going, how about us? They're straight sized people. And I, I really have a lot of compassion for that because obviously there's not much money going around at the moment. There's not much funding. Like, you know, this is why there are so many charities for eating disorder treatment at the moment. And they're almost kind of going, their response is almost like, but if you're advocating for all of these other people, how are people like me going to be able to receive treatment? And it's like, well, yeah, you guys also deserve all the treatment in the world. Like, we're not trying to take from you. We're trying to become more, you know, equitable and accessible for other people as well. But we need to be able, we can't just centre um, the same voices all the time. We need to be able to center other voices so then everyone can have a much better pot of money. <laughs> like that's what we need to be doing. Um, but yeah, we've decided that we're going to, rather than burn down the table that exists, we're going to build our own one. I get. Maybe not necessarily burn it down. Like I'd sit on that table and break it and that's fine. <laughs> but. <laughs> we're not going to do that. We're going to leave their table intact, but we're going to create our own space and that's what is needed right now because at the moment we don't have an eating disorder service that is truly inclusive yeah and I think again I, I totally do understand why straight sized people are saying what about us but Definitely. they don't understand what it's like to be well not to be included like it's it's not fair for them to have every space like everybody doesn't need to be in every space everybody needs to be heard but it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they need to be heard everywhere it, it just means that you need somebody to hear you and somebody to be in your corner um, and I think that's that's what people don't get if they've never if they've basically not been ignored before they don't understand why they're not that they're being ignored but they don't understand why they're being ignored now um so yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a difficult one and that I, I you you've just taken a bit of a challenge on really haven't you <laughs> Jeanette just a little wow. bit just a tiny bit I'm curious <clears throat> generally when for example, say a person that has an eating disorder and they happen to be in um, a larger body. Generally, what what 
what's the stories what's what's been happening to to those sorts of people are they just turned away are they not believed what or do they not go in the first place for fear of being told I'll just lose weight I mean what 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 generally happens all of the above Mm. pretty much we have some stories where people have been helped it very it it varies it this is why I say always 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 you know go to your doctor you don't want you don't know what your doctor is going to be like hopefully you're going to have a good doctor that um will be fine and will get you the help um and help you as much as they can do but in some instances you know we've had people who um have been given slimming world or weight watchers um like 12 weeks here's 12 weeks have that and that's obviously going to solve things or if they've been you know, losing weight because of their eating disorder, it's been actively encouraged instead. Um, because of course, you know, we might as well encourage an eating disorder if that's going to turn from a fat person to a straight sized person. Um, not a good thing, obviously. Um, you know, other people have been told that there's nothing wrong with them. You know, there's been, you know, it, it's just a, ma- it's a mixture. And I think that's the problem. Um, I mean, BEAT this year has had a big push on trying to educate, um, especially doctors who are like trainee doctors in more in eating disorders, because doctors don't get a lot of training in eating disorders. Hence why I say, you know, see a doctor and hopefully they they would refer you on um, to an eating disorder service. Um, But they don't get a lot. They're hopefully going to be getting more now. Um, But the problem is, is that 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 training doesn't isn't going to be enough to be able to remove weight stigma from their lens um and the way that weight stigma is being taught at the moment is very um very surface level like surface level weight stigma like I have a post on my instagram which explains the difference between like mainstream weight stigma education and like real kind of tangible stuff that could change the way that people are treated and like mainstream surface level weight stigma is be kind to people with fat bodies be nice to them have compassion it's not their fault that they're fat but do everything that you can to make sure that they're not fat like that's literally the extent of the weight stigma like surface level training that exists right now so and unfortunately, that the the big names, I know I'm doing quote unquote, the big names in the in like the nutrition industry and therefore in like the, you know, in like GPs, doctors, the people that are listening to these two people, they're in straight sized bodies who work in weight loss surgery patients and earn their money from them. So they obviously have a very skewed view because there's obviously going to be, obviously there's going to be people, the kind of people that get weight loss surgery are people that have the worst relationship with themselves and their body. Once again, I have a huge, absolutely huge amount of compassion to people who have weight loss surgery because I can't, you know, the place that they must be in their body to decide to have such a life-changing surgery it must be terrible for them. And I have, you know, my heart goes out to them like so, so much. But people who work with the kind of people that haven't that haven't had the chance to even um, 
have a look at their internalized fat phobia and how society has actually viewed them and tried to work through those kinds of things because the services that they've been given are full of waste stigma anyway and through anti-fat bias and those are the people that are teaching people about weight stigma it just blows my mind and it then makes sense why the medical like medical profession and um you know all of these different people are not necessarily understanding what's impacting people Mm. of course it's you know it's common decency to just treat a human being nicely that should go without saying but actually we need to stop stigmatizing people like we should actually remove things like gatekeeping surgeries with weight gatekeeping IVF with weight you know there's loads of things that the NHS used to gatekeep so yeah I could talk about that forever as well (laughs) it's like oh. oh my god oh Jeanette there's like we could sit and unpick this I feel like the three of us could sit and unpick this all night if there was one one piece of advice that you could give to anybody be it about intuitive eating about weight stigma about you know feeling better in our bodies if there's one thing that you could say what would it be that's a bigger question than than you thought was coming I'm very good at that. I'm a talker about everything rather than whittling it down to one thing. Okay, okay. I'll give you I'll give you two minutes rather than twenty. <laughs> It'd be a bit bit of a boring listen for everyone whilst I'm like, hmm. Ah. <laughs> um, I would say, um, who who says that you need to live your life hating your body and disliking your body the way that you are right now? You don't have to do that. And there are ways and means to stop doing that. You are important. You are worthy. And you are much more than your body. Okay. That was, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty incredible. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Jeanette, thank you so, so much for this. It's been so good to talk to you. And I feel like we've, jumped around on so many deep heavy subjects but yeah. it's fantastic to know that you're out there and there's people like you out there that are helping to support so many people and like we said we will put the links in the show notes to all of your pages just thank you whether whether that's because someone needs help with intuitive eating or with weight stigma with eating disorders with wanting to know more about body body happy org and and confidence in young children and you know just anything body related because you can help with it all really can't you (laughs) (laughs) i can try my hardest oh thank you so so much and i really thank you very much for having me it's been lovely having a chat with you both